Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Um Talha Speaks podcast. This is our third episode of our Balancing Deen and Dunya season, where inshallah today we'll hear from very inspiring Muslimas in the medical profession. Um, inshallah, we'll discuss with them, you know, what got them into the field in the first place, how they're experiencing it, how they're balancing their work life with being good practicing Muslims, um, inshallah, which can serve to help support other Muslims who are currently in the field, um, but then also the young Muslims who are maybe still in secondary school or in college or in the early stages of university and just want a bit of support and reinsurance for this career choice that they have taken and they have started the path towards. Um, so without further ado, if we can please, inshallah, have the lovely ladies introduce themselves and just give us a bit of background. Um, what is it that you are currently working in in the medical field? Wa alaykum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. My name is Hamida. I'm a registered nurse. I'm currently studying a master's of public health. So I graduated originally from nursing in Finland. I practiced there for about four years and then moved here um, to Britain. Wa alaykum assalam. My name is Um Jibril and I'm an audiologist. Wa alaykum assalam. My name is Sister M. My background is paediatric nursing. Um, my recent role is after my postgrad, I'm currently in a specialist nursing role working with premature babies, babies and children with any medical conditions and any safeguarding concerns. Assalamu alaikum. My name is Kasva and I currently work within the NHS as a matron. For those of you who are not sure what a matron is, it is within the nursing field. Wa alaikum assalam. Thank you for having me today on your podcast. And if I just quickly introduce myself, my name is Maria and I work for the ambulance service. So I think all of us are quite aware that some sort of profession in the medical field is a first choice for many women, uh, Muslim or not. And I personally think part of that reason is the exposure. All of us are raised going to the pediatrician, going to the hospital with family members, visiting family members in the hospital. So we're quite aware of the existence of these various professions. Um, and I do say various because there's a wide range of professions in the medical field. I think most of us, we know, okay, there are doctors and there are nurses, but other than that, what is actually out there? Um, so can you all just give a bit of a description or, or a bit of a background for how you actually decided to go into the medical profession? I decided to start my career within the medical field um, straight after college as I was very interested in women's health. I originally wanted to be a midwife, but once I started working as a nurse um, within accident and emergency, I decided that that would be the path I'd stick with and I'd continue with nursing. How I got into the field of audiology was something that was not pre-planned by myself. Um, I remember completing my A-levels and really not knowing what I wanted to do. 
I knew I wanted to do something that was science related because I enjoyed those subjects and I wanted to do something that involved helping individuals. At the time, the government was really promoting audiology because there was a shortage of audiologists in the UK. And I remember looking up the course online and um, reading up a little bit about it and thinking, yeah, this, this really resonates with me. But I think the final push was when a member of my family was diagnosed with a permanent one-sided hearing loss, which was severe. And I remember thinking, this is a really good opportunity for me to learn more about this hidden disability and help and support where I can. And so I pursued my career in audiology. So I think um, very early on, I, I wanted to become do something in the health sector. Um, due to the environment which I grew up in, you know, growing up in Ghana, there was a lot of um, poverty in the area that I grew up in. And people that I grew up with, or even myself, we contracted lots of illnesses and others, subhanAllah, died from these kind of diseases like malaria or cholera. And these had a, a lot of impact on on, on me growing up um, so I wanted definitely to do something in health, but um, and I thought I would be a doctor. But in my high school years, I discovered okay, it's it's not possible. My parents were not financially able to provide uh, provide my fees to go to medical school, and the second option was that I would be very brilliant in order to attain a scholarship to go and to a medical school, which. I didn't, to be honest, I didn't have the the <laughs> mental capacity to achieve such a high um, a high um, goal. So um, yeah, I, I I decided that nursing was the next best thing if I couldn't become a doctor um, to be able to still impact people's lives. So I'm the youngest in my family and growing up I was always the one that attended medical appointments whether it was for my mum or my nieces and nephews and I guess I was mainly there as a translator to help with the language barrier but with time it, it developed into a passion of wanting to work with children and families and help them and I guess to be able to be in a position where I could use my multilingual skills to speak to families who might need to access these services and where English might not be their first language and where they might want the support. So I joined this role because I felt like there wasn't enough Muslims in this field, especially hijabi paramedics. And growing up, it's always been my dream to be a paramedic and inshallah, I have a good impact on other Muslim young girls and hopefully inspire them to join the field as well. Thank you so much for that, Maria. That actually leads us quite nicely into the next question that I had prepared, which is exactly that terminology that you used, impact. Um, what I know personally that when I originally considered being a doctor, I specifically had my eyes set on being a surgeon. It was kind of the highest thing that I could 
I guess, pursue in the medical field, it was always about that impact that I wanted to help people. I wanted to have my hands involved in helping people in their time of need. Now, clearly all of you are currently now on the, on the ground and you have pursued that path and you have stuck with it. MashaAllah, may Allah protect all of you. Um, can you just speak a little bit about what impact actually do you have on, on people, on patients, but specifically on Muslims? Um, because my expectation, actually from personal experience, that when I go to the hospital seeing another Muslim and especially another covered Muslim female, you automatically have a sense of that person understands me. Automatically that barrier of potential misunderstanding is dropped. Um, so can you just speak a little bit from your own personal experience of what that has been like? I feel like especially going through what we are going through at the moment, a pandemic, as it's called, Muslim patients are not allowed visitors, especially the elderly. And unfortunately, some some of them are dying alone in hospitals. So I feel like I give them a bit of reassurance and comfort. A lot of them also don't speak English. So imagine being scared, not knowing what you are saying to them and on top being unwell it can be scary so I guess yeah I am seen as some sort of reassurance and a comfort blanket and when I do visit Muslim patients and as soon as you know I enter their houses I can see that instant relief on their face so I feel like I encountered more patients more Muslim patients in in, in Finland than in the UK um, because I lived and worked in the capital where most of my grand families moved to. My boss was always happy to throw me in front of my grand families or Muslim families. I was always happy to meet uh, Muslim families that I could help. And the feedback they always gave was that, oh, you made us feel relaxed and you, you helped us through um, some of the most difficult times of our lives. And, you know, they, they are especially happy that someone who has the same moral values as them is helping them through a difficult time. That's the simplest way I can put it. I have seen many Muslim patients um, in my career, alhamdulillah, and many of them have expressed how grateful they were for having been seen by someone who they felt comfortable around, who they could relate to, who understood them. And... Uh, this, mashallah, was a motivation for me as well to continue working in the field, to be able to help um, and support Muslims who are in need was, was such a blessing. Alhamdulillah, I'm in this position by the will of Allah and I've been given this blessing as an endowment and I want to use it as much as I can as it's an opportunity for reward for me, going to help the poorly children and the sick children is clearly an opportunity for reward and and I've also had non-Muslim colleagues also come up to me and talk to me and ask me questions about Islam um, and anything that they've heard or if they've needed anything any clarification because they felt like they've, they see me as a positive role model um, and someone that they can come and speak to and that's really important to me because I also see that as an opportunity to teach people.
I'd like to think that over the last 10 years that I've been practicing as a nurse, I've inshallah made a positive impact on um, the Muslim patients that I have come across. It can be very testing and trying um, within the UK, especially earlier on in my career, to be able to put forward your beliefs and your wishes without seeming as though you're being quite ignorant or offensive towards the people that are helping you. So um, I originally started my job in um, an area of the UK that was quite densely populated with Bengali and Pakistani background. And to be able to speak a language that was familiar to some of them um, was very nice because I was able to interpret to some of the medical doctors and to the other nurses what their wishes were in a respectful and kind manner. Um, I still see this now, you know, I can see the prejudice and, and I can see the, the raised eyebrows occasionally for some of our patients who have very, very simple wishes, for example, not wishing to expose their aura or asking for a female doctor where possible, although there's some education and training to still be done with the female doctor and the Muslim, etc. But I'd like to say it's it's been quite a positive impact because there, I've come across quite a lot of young females as well who didn't quite know that they had the opportunity to have those wishes um, and have previously just gone along with the flow and listened to what the doctor has been saying or the nurses have been saying, thinking that they wouldn't have the opportunity to stand up for what they'd really wanted. MashaAllah, Sister M and Sister Koso, you've both really quite hit the nail on the head with regards to a lot of what I'd hoped to get out of working in the medical field. Um, I know originally when I started to pursue the path, there were two things that I had in mind. First, exposing people to Muslims, um, to modern yet practicing Muslims as a form of da'wah to the non-Muslim community but then also to help Muslims. And now, kind of years later, after not having gone down that line, I see how necessary it is to have Muslim faces. And Sister Koswa, you mentioned Muslims coming in requesting a female doctor. Probably every Muslim female that goes into the hospital requests a Muslim doctor. But if we ourselves are not going to pursue that career line and go through that training to make it so much easier for our own sisters, then how do we necessarily accept or expect rather others to, to fill in those roles for us? But I know for myself, what put me off was seeing so many different medical professionals required to devote their entire lives to this career. Granted, I was working with anesthesiologists or part of my training was in the ambulance service and they were working 12-hour shifts overnight. So this is what I saw as the medical field. Um, you guys are in it. You've lived through it. Can you shed any light onto how you've been able to balance your work life with your home life 
and, and a real honest perspective of what that looks like once you're in the field. At the moment, obviously not being married or having children, I'm still studying. I feel like I have found a good work-life balance. However, in the future, later on, you know, when having kids and settling down, it will be hard with my job role as it can be very tiring and being on the road can be difficult with shift patterns, etc. So long term, I would have to think about maybe going into more of a clinical role, as in working in a hospital or a GP practice. I'd like to say the biggest thing that I have struggled with within my career is finding a good work-life balance. Um, it is quite demanding. The hours of study and the hours of postgraduate study that I have put in has been very demanding. I haven't necessarily neglected my home life, but I know for a number of years, for about five, six years, I definitely put my career first. So it has taken me a while to find a good balance between working and also putting home life first as well. Finding a good work-life balance has been challenging in the past, especially with having a young family. But you learn to become more organised and you find ways of managing and coping. I have in the past taken a few career breaks where I have used the time to focus on other projects, to um, work on other things that I was interested in. And that's, and I wouldn't have been able to do that had I been working full time. So things change sometimes and you adapt, mashallah. Alhamdulillah, in my current position, I work in the community Monday to Friday. Um, and I work on the weekends if we are short staffed and if needed, which I do sometimes. But I do feel like working in the community has given me a better balance than when I used to work in the hospital. I used to work um, within the surgical team at a local children's hospital um, where I used to work 13 hour shifts. And this could include all day, evening, night shifts, weekends. Um, and it would mean sometimes um, as much as I wanted to, even if I tried to swap or request it, I would probably miss certain family events or certain events that were happening at the local mosque or lessons. So it, it wasn't so flexible, but with my new role after I did my postgrad, I feel like um, I do have more free time, if you want to say, if you want to call it that, in the evenings where I can ensure that I am making the most out of my time. One of the questions that young Muslimas or even, even Muslimas who are currently in the profession and perhaps wanting to strengthen their Iman and practice Islam a little bit better, I think one of the things that many of them come across is this concept of how easily they're able to be an obviously practicing Muslimah, but still succeed in their careers. Now, mashallah, I know about all of you that, alhamdulillah, you all proudly cover, um, you all keep to your prayers, alhamdulillah, and may Allah protect all of you. Um, can you just give us a bit of encouragement 
based on your personal experiences, how you've been able to manage that and how your colleagues and maybe your managers have received any requests for uniform modifications or requirements to pray at specific times. In Finland, the government provides the uniform. So you you go to work uh, in your normal clothes. So you go and you change, you take your uniform and you change. MashaAllah, they even provided hijabs and, you know, um, long sleeve shirts for, for, for Muslims. They were all there, ready to wear. <laughs> no problems. But when I came here, you have to um, take your uniforms at home to wash. And these we were not used to. But then to provide myself with the arm sleeves, I never had any problems with it. I had arm sleeves all the time and I had hijab what in whatever bright colors I wanted and nobody ever complained, mashallah. I've been working for three years in this country and nobody has ever complained about my arm sleeves. Um, subhanAllah, during the winter days were, were more, more difficult to find time to go for Dhuhr and Asr. So what I did was that um, you have about one hour break in all during the 12 hour shifts, which is unpaid. So mostly I'll, I'll talk to my colleagues and take that one hour break during the time that I think I can still make Dhuhr, um, later for Dhuhr and then wait till Asr to, to pray, which was the most effective way, subhanAllah. Otherwise, I, I never had any other problems. It's only during the winter, winter, um, winter time that I had issues but if you have a good um, working team around you you can always take your break around the prayer time so that you know whenever you want to go you just tell them I would like my break at this time can you can you help me do this at this time or you know you allocate wherever needed so that you can be free at that particular time to pray wearing a hijab both as a nurse um where I've worked in the hospital and also currently in the community has been fine in accordance with the uniform policy. They only state that you don't have any loose um, hijab bits, such as like, you know, a long back or anything. In terms of a uniform, at the moment in my current job, um, alhamdulillah, I don't have to wear scrubs or a tunic or anything like that at all. I, I wear casual formal clothing so I wear what I have at home and what I feel is modest and what meets the criteria and I haven't really had any issues um, in terms of prayer times both in the hospital and community se community settings there are prayer facilities available now areas where you can make wudu and when where you can go and pray so it is readily available to staff even to patients and families I have been very lucky um, when trying to balance wearing the hijab and my Islamic obligations as a female Muslim and balancing my career. Um, I, it has never really been questioned because I've been very open and honest with my colleagues and my mentors um, and my seniors. When I start a job, what is expected and what I am willing to do. So, for example, during Ramadan, I openly advertise this beautiful month is coming and my colleagues and my seniors have always been very kind in offering me shifts that would work around it. with my prayer times. Um, I'm fortunate because I'm in quite a senior position. I have the ability to pray in my office 
or I can go away to the prayer room and complete my prayers. But I also know some junior staff members do struggle with this and tend to have to use their break times to be able to say their prayers. But subhanAllah, it is an option and it is available. So I personally, hand on heart, can't say I've really struggled. But again, I know of some sisters who, when they've been asked to take their break at certain times and they've answered and said, well, actually, please, could I take it a little bit later? Um, there isn't much understanding. There isn't much of a welcome from their senior staff members. And I've had to get involved in a couple of cases where, you know, put it into perspective that if we're allowing some people, for example, to nip out for an extra cigarette break, then having five minutes to be able to say our prayers shouldn't be an issue. But um, for me, I've been quite lucky. Alhamdulillah, we are allowed to wear the headscarf with our uniform. And my uniform normally consists of a top and a straight bottle green trouser, which covers a lot of my aura anyway. Um, our policy doesn't really state a specific colour of headscarf. However, I try to wear a green headscarf to match my uniform, just showing the effort of a Muslim. Generally, the hospital rules are bare below the elbow. However, I wear a full undertop. Now, coming on to Salah, it can be difficult at times, especially when we are busy. The only times I get an opportunity is if I'm on standby, waiting for a job, or if we drop a patient off to the hospital. So what I do is I carry a small pocket prayer mat where I can literally lay it out anywhere, put it out and just pray. Going down that route for requesting modifications with management, how would you suggest from a practical aspect, um, what type of requests should be made or things like that? I guess just general advice that Muslims can use to help ease this process of actually practicing their religion while working in the medical field. The advice I would give to any Muslims who are currently um, worried about how easy they can practice or if they are already um, in placement or in a position where they are finding it difficult to practice Islam, the first thing I would say is sit down and have a conversation with your manager or your buddy. HR and the NHS trusts have put policies in place to support you from any discrimination. If you feel like it's not happening then you can always speak to HR or some trusts have in place something called a speak up guardian who is meant to be a neutral professional in the middle um, for any conflict and to try and come to a resolution. You know in this country generally it is easy to practice your religion they will accommodate you and the thing is if you don't ask you don't get so you know just ask about these simple things no one can stop you from really practicing your religion so there are ways around doing things for example asking for two shorter breaks from your manager instead of one longer break or to ask for your break to be at a specific time so it is as easy as you want to make it yes i'm not saying you know, everyone will be understanding. You will come across people who are not as open and difficult, but you keep trying. You will struggle, but 
like Allah mentions, he does not burden the soul more than it can bear. So correct your intentions and do it for the sake of Allah, inshaAllah. My biggest piece of advice for our younger sisters who are wanting to go into the medical field is to be open and honest, to have a good understanding of what is expected of you in terms of your career, your choice, your studying, but also when speaking with your seniors, be very open and honest about your faith, your beliefs, um, and just try to explain it in a very easy way. It isn't an unfamiliar religion, but as we all know, people practice with different levels of faith and different levels of um, obedience. So, I would suggest that you're very open and honest um, and make it very clear from the beginning that, you know, you are willing to do whatever is required, but also at the same time, you have personal obligations that you would like to fulfill. Just to round off, are there any last bits of advice or encouragement that you can give to sisters who might be on the fence? You know, like myself, I mean, I changed my mind about pursuing the medical field specifically because of some things that I saw and witnessed. But clearly, mashallah, you guys have stuck with it. Um, so what what encouragement can we give to those young sisters? Say, for example, they're in, in college deciding what university course to choose or they're in university on a nursing course or medical course and they're in two minds how can we encourage them to keep their feet planted and to stick it out my advice to any muslimah who is thinking of pursuing a career in the medical field or any other field um, is that ensure that you have learned your personal obligatory knowledge so that you're aware of what is permissible and what is not. And if you're unsure about something, then to go and seek the advice from trustworthy, reliable sources, because issues can arise in any field that you decide to go into, issues surrounding khalwa, issues surrounding exposing the aura, issues surrounding skin-to-skin -skin contact. How does one deal with these situations in the correct way? And it is through learning that you can protect yourself and learn how to manage those situations in the correct way. If you have the knowledge on what's correct and what is not correct, then you can work on protecting yourself and practicing your profession, but also making sure that you are following the rules of the religion, because being a Muslim comes first. So finally, I would like to advise my Muslim sisters that um, our, our communities need people like us to represent us, to see to see ourselves when we go to the hospital no matter what role you want to play a physiotherapist uh, 
um, um, a doctor, a healthcare assistant, a nurse, a radiographer, a pharmacist, whatever you can do, it's really important that we have us representing us so that when we go into the hospital, we don't feel too, too bad you know, about other people not understanding us and our, the, our requirements, you know, um, and I feel like UK, we are more understood than a place like Finland, for instance. So yeah, I, I would, I would advise anyone who is interested to in the medical field or nursing to really go for it. The country is always in need of nurses, mashallah, and, and and if there would be more Muslim nurses, that would be even better. We need strong sisters. We need strong sisters who are willing to go forward and be a good example to our other Muslim sisters and also to our neighbours in terms of where we live, whichever country we're in, whichever career path we take. Um, and especially in the medical field, we need a nice representation of sisters who are balancing um, a passion for a career and our religion as well. I, I wouldn't ever put anybody off following this pathway and following um, this career choice. Um, it, has, it has really, over the last 10 years, opened my eyes to some beautiful things and some experiences that I would never take back as difficult as they have been. Um, having that opportunity to hold somebody's hand during their last breaths or welcoming somebody into the world for their first breaths. It's, it's um, a feeling that's been at the top of the scale for me that I can't compare to anything else. So I wouldn't ever put anybody off following their, this choice of career. It's just, you need to be very strong. <laughs> MashaAllah, I'm not even exaggerating when I say that listening to you sisters has made me reconsider significantly um, my decision to potentially go back and work in the medical field. Because like I said, it was a dream for myself, as I'm sure it is for a lot of women out there. And you all have offered such great, honest advice and mashallah, I'm, I don't have any doubt that sisters out there, whether young or in, in their lives already wanting a career change after they've gotten married and had kids, this has been such an inspiring podcast, mashallah, to listen to and put together. And, and I really hope that you take pride in the work that you do on a day-to-day -day basis, but then also on in the impact that you have in the Muslims that you work with and the Muslims that inevitably look up to you for the work that you do. Um, so I do appreciate your your time and your honesty. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward all of you. Um, and for the listeners, please share this podcast with anyone that you know who is considering working in the medical field or perhaps is already working but is doubtful about their ability to wear a headscarf or to pray during their shift. Because alhamdulillah, we see from these sisters that all of that is entirely possible. Um, alhamdulillah, wa sallallahu ala rasulillah.
Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. We'd really like to hear from you, so don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Umtalha Speaks and send us across any message or feedback, um, any questions that you may have, so we can incorporate that into this podcast. <laughs>